since I've got to share with you guys. Uh, I've really enjoyed this series, just hearing from our team, Zach and John and Katie. Uh, It's just been fun to hear from all of these wonderful voices in our church and that we have these voices. Um, So it's been great. But since I have not shared for a few weeks, you know, as I was preparing this week, I just had so many notes, just so much stuff that I wanted to talk about, and I was like, yeah, it'll be like a two-hour sermon. So I've cut it down. It's only going to be an hour and a half. Um, so you guys just have to survive. No, I'm just playing. That's not going to be that long. Um, but excited to share with you guys. Um, something special took place uh, on Christmas Eve in 1914. It was actually dur- during World War I. Uh, there were pockets of soldiers on the Western Front Uh, both French and Belgian and German and British soldiers who created these impromptu ceasefires on Christmas Eve all across the Western Front. And uh, and this is documented through different diaries and journals of different soldiers through the years. And one of the British soldiers talked about this Christmas truce, uh, that his unit was on the front line, And on Christmas Eve, he was chosen to be the guy who that evening to go out to this abandoned shack, and he was supposed to uh, man that post until 6.30 a.m. on Christmas Day. Well, he was out there early morning Christmas Day, and he heard the German soldiers singing Christmas songs and shouting, and they shouted out to him, knowing he was there, saying, Do you have an extra bottle? And they said, if you, we'll come halfway to you if you'll come halfway to us so we can share together. And so, surely a few minutes later, the soldiers came out of their trenches and met in no man's land on Christmas Day and were shaking hands with the enemy soldiers and trading cigarettes and cigars and they were giving free shaves to each other and, and just laughing and, and uh, having a great time. Right in the middle of the war, they come together and have this unique, special experience. And another British soldier talked about a soccer game that broke out on the icy pitch. And uh, it came from the trenches from the British soldiers, and they started playing soccer. Almost 200 men out there playing this soccer game in the middle of a war in no man's land on Christmas Day with their enemies, playing this game together. And then one German lieutenant said this in his diary. He said, eventually the English brought a soccer ball from their trenches and pretty soon a lively game ensued. He wrote, how marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. The English officers felt the same way about it. Thus, Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends 
for a time. Isn't that amazing? That is so incredible. It, it just doesn't even make sense. But this is the peace that Christ brings. It surpasses all understanding, right? That's what the Word of God says. It doesn't even make sense. But just the sheer memory of Jesus, just the memory could cause peace in the middle of a war, right there in no man's land between those soldiers. And so if that can happen, just the memory of Jesus, then what can happen through the presence of Christ in our lives? Amen? So the title of my message this morning is Preposterous Peace. It's preposterous. Preposterous Peace. So we're continuing in our Advent series. Uh, the week one, we talked about the different gifts as we've lit the candles each week of hope and love and joy. And Katie preached last week on joy. Didn't she, didn't she do a great job? Yes, she just, she killed it. It was awesome. I was just receiving from my wife. It was wonderful hearing her speak. Um, and so, but she talked about joy and how Jesus holds our joy. That we can't hold it. It's not up to us. We're not going to be able to stay happy all the time. Only Jesus can hold that joy for us. And when we can't conjure it up, we rely on the Holy Spirit. He brings the fruit of his spirit, his joy, into our lives. And it comes through that trust and that surrender through Jesus. And so today I'm going to talk about peace. And the base text for this series is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us... A child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And Prince of Peace. That word peace there in the Hebrew is shalom, which has a lot, is a very thick word, a lot of meaning to it. Uh, but in many cases in Scripture, it's referring to harmonious relations and freedom from disputes, especially during the absence of war. It also means a state of tranquility or wholeness and restoration, all things being restored. And we see this peace in the story of Jesus' birth. In the Nativity story, in Luke chapter 1, verse 76 through 79 Zechariah is, is prophesying over his son, John the Baptist, right? And as he's prophesying over his son, he also prophesies about the Messiah, Jesus, the coming one, the Prince of Peace. And he says this in verse 76, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Man, what a cool poetic image. Jesus the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Zechariah prophesies over Jesus, the Messiah. As he came, his advent, his arrival, he would guide our feet into the path of peace. Peace. And we talked about a few weeks ago about how when Jesus came, he came to destroy the walls that separate us from each other. Whether it be prejudice or self-righteousness or religious spirit, but to destroy those walls that separate us from one another. That came with Jesus' arrival. And then in Luke chapter 2, with the shepherds in the field, 
The angels came. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on those. So the prophecy of peace through Zechariah, the proclamation of peace through the angels. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 27, when Jesus had been born, Mary and Joseph were bringing him to the temple to be circumcised, as the law required. When the parents, verse 27, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon, who was an older man of God, took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For I have seen the salvation of the Lord. So the prophecy of peace through Zechariah, through the coming of the Messiah, the proclamation of peace through the angels, with the shepherds in the field, and then the very presence of peace with Simeon. When he saw Jesus, he said, now I can depart in peace. This is the peace that Jesus brings with him when he shows up in our lives and when he showed up 2,000 years ago. The story of Advent is about God bringing peace to all. The end of contention between us and God, because Jesus has torn the veil that separated us from the presence of God because of his blood that was shed on the cross. Now we have access to our Heavenly Father. Now we can walk right into the presence of God and we can stand before God declared righteous by Him because of Jesus' sacrifice. We can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. We've been adopted into the family. Jesus tore down the wall that separated us from God and He brought peace between us and the Lord. And then Jesus brought peace between each other. As we talked about the walls that were torn down through Christ so that we could have peace with one another. And then Jesus also brought peace within our hearts. Because who do we contend with more than anyone else? Ourselves, right? It's that false self, that accusing voice in our hearts that condemns us and says, you're not enough, you're never going to be enough. You're a mistake. You're a failure. Oh, I'm not reaching the limits. I'm not doing what I should do. I should, I should, I should. That same voice that's in our hearts, Jesus has come to bring peace with the contention within us. The storm that swirls on the inside. That we could be at peace with who we are because we're his. We belong to him now. And he's made us new. We've been declared righteous and blameless before him in love. Amen? So he came to bring peace to all. So what makes this peace so special? What's so unique about it? Why is it preposterous? Well, let's look in John 14, verse 27. Jesus is talking about the peace that he brings. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. The peace of God 
functions at a different frequency than the world. It's not contingent on something happening. Circumstances being perfect. It's not contingent upon that. It's not contingent upon a special trip to Jamaica. Although, that is wonderful. <laughs> but it's not contingent on that. We don't, it doesn't have to have that. The peace of God transcends that. It's above that. It's steadfast through any circumstance. As Katie mentioned, the world's understanding of peace actually creates within us a restlessness and a lack of peace. Because it makes external peace a necessity that we'll spend our entire lives grasping for, trying to control, and trying not to lose. Oh, I just got to have this vacation. Once I have this vacation, then I'll be at peace. Once, once, I, once the kids grow up and they're not in this toddler stage, then, whew, then I can finally be at peace. No. <laughs> once, they're, once they're teenagers, then I, no, 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 I don't swear. Once they're out of the house, then once I'm retired, then I can be at peace. No, it's not contingent upon that. But the world says that. But the problem is, is that we reach after it and we're, we, we don't want to lose it. No, I need this peace so desperately. I need this quiet. I need this vacation. I have to have whatever, these things, so that I can have peace. But the peace of God transcends all of that. It doesn't make sense. Have you guys ever met somebody who's just like unfazed by anything? Like they're just super steady. Like, their personality is just like, doesn't matter what happens. They get in a car accident, and like, oh, bummer. You know, or like, you know, their house burns down. Well, that's, that's too bad. You know, it's just like, I mean, have you guys ever met, has anyone ever met someone or you know someone like that? Um, it's just, it's amazing to me, these people who are just so steady Eddie. You know, like, just, they are, they're chill, right, no matter what. Well, my dad was kind of like this. So one time my sister, he was teaching my sister how to drive. This is already a bad situation. So he's teaching her how to drive at a young age. I don't know if she was, she might have been 12, actually. So 12 or 13. Anyways, I'm in the car. and This is very safe. Um, but he made sure I had my seatbelt on. So she's in the driver's seat. He's in the passenger seat. And we're in West Texas. And we're driving around. And the roads in West Texas are, like, super wide. Like, they are huge. And so you're, you're not very likely to run into something on these roads, right? So he's teaching her to drive. She's going around. Well, she starts to make a turn in our neighborhood, right? And she doesn't turn sharp enough. So she's just kind of going straight towards the corner of the lot. You know what I mean? Where the curb is. And she's going straight. And he's like, okay. He's like, okay, just hit the brakes. Just tap on the brakes there. Just tap on the brakes. And then she hits the gas, jumps the curb. We're still driving. And by the way, the fences in West Texas are cinder block fences. That, all the, I don't know why. It's ugly. But that's what they were. Cinder block. So we're heading towards a cinder block fence. And she's hitting the gas. And my dad's like, just hit the brakes. Just hit the brakes. 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 <laughs> but his voice never, never went higher. And then break, And then she's just like, and we're, I'm, we're about to hit this fence. We're like headed straight towards it. And then he just reaches over, pushes the brakes. We stop. I mean, I don't know. We were just a few feet from the fence. And he goes, well. Um, I'll take over for now. This is good. That was good. 
That was good. Good try. <laughs> but he was just so calm. Breaks. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to die. Uh, and then I got to make fun of my sister for weeks on end after that, which was just perfect for me being the younger brother. So, but he was just at peace. And it's just crazy, those people that are just unfazed by anything. But that scripture, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As followers of Jesus, our hearts don't have to be troubled or afraid, ever. They don't have to be. Because there's an authority in us that is greater than our circumstances and our feelings. Neither our circumstances or emotions have the power to dictate the condition of our heart. They don't have the power. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is in us, and our hearts are his domain. Ephesians 3, Christ makes his home in our hearts. Jesus is there, and he has authority over our feelings, our emotions, and over any circumstance or condition. They cannot dictate the condition of our heart. And we are in him, and so the world can't touch us. We're in him. We can be in the midst of the mess of life and still be at peace. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. How many of you guys know, in the world we will have trouble? <laughs> yes, amen. Yes. In the world you will have trouble. What a great promise, Jesus. Thanks. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So he says, so that in me, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But as Paul says, we are in Christ. When we accept Jesus, we are now in Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. So we are found in him. And so we are insulated by Jesus. We are in him in the world. Does that make sense? So we are in Jesus in the world. So bad things happen. Troubles will come because we're in the world. But we can take heart. We can be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world and we are in him. Philippians 4. 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning it doesn't make sense sometimes, will what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. It is protective in the world, but yet we are in Christ. It's an internal security that slowly subsumes our external realities. It takes over. Christ's 
first coming was in the midst of chaos and violence, right? But his presence overcomes. So in that verse, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So what are the these things that he told us so that we could have peace? What, what are those? You've told me these things. Okay, well, let's look before that verse in John 16. He gives us insight into how we maintain peace in that insulary, protective peace of God while being in the midst of the trouble of the world. So verse 22, John 16, he says, So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, I, very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, no. He says, no, the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So what are these protective truths, these things, so that we might have peace in the midst of trouble? Number one, we will see Jesus and he will make all things new. We will see Jesus face to face. That is our hope. And it is a steadfast hope, and the world can't touch that hope. No matter what happens in our life, it can't touch the hope that we will see Jesus, and he, we will rejoice, and that joy will not be taken from us. And we will be in the presence of the Most High God, and he will make all things new. A new heaven, a new earth, life with him everlasting. This world is a drop in the bucket, this life is a blink of an eye. It's, it's a vapor, the Bible says. It's a drop in the bucket compared to the ocean of eternity. And that ocean is spent in the presence of Jesus. And the world can't touch that hope. It can't do anything. No matter what happens, it can't touch the hope. It is written, and we will see him again. And so that hope protects us in the midst of trouble. Number two, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. He is sufficient. Whatever we have need of, we can ask, and he will meet every need. We have a good shepherd. The Bible says, Psalms 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Whatever it is that we are longing for, a true need within our heart, it is sufficient and it is found in Jesus. Whatever we're longing for is found in the presence of God. Christ is enough. So no matter what happens on the outside, no matter what loss we may experience or whatever lack that we may have in some particular moment, we have the truth that Christ is sufficient and he is with us. And the enemy cannot touch that. We have the hope that we'll be with him. We have the sufficiency of his presence. And then number three, the Father himself loves us. The Father himself loves us. I love the way Jesus says this. He says, I don't have to ask God for you. You can ask him. You know why? Because the Father himself, he 
loves you personally. The person of God. This is the king of heaven. This is the father, right, who sits on the throne made of sapphire, who has angels flying about him saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The 144 elders are, are casting their crowns before him, the sea of glass before him, an emerald rainbow around his throne, fire mixed with smoke and bronze legs in this huge, incredible, powerful scene. The God who rules the entire universe, this father, who his face shines like the sun that dwells in inapproachable light, he himself loves you. Man, that is powerful. And the Bible says that he loves you with an everlasting love. And the, the world can't touch that. It can't, it can't reach in. It can't take away his love for us. Nothing can touch that. So it protects us in the midst of the trouble. We have the hope that we will see him again. We have his sufficiency and we have an everlasting love from Heavenly Father. And then number four, our protective truths. Maybe this is the most important of all. Emmanuel. God is with us. Right now, in this room, where you sit, God is with you. The Spirit of God is in you. He's always with you. And the Bible says he'll never leave. He'll never forsake. Psalms 23, it says, I, I, I shall, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. And then he says, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when our enemies are surrounding us in this world, and it seems like everything is working against us, and trouble comes, in the midst of our enemies, God prepares a banquet table before us. He sits down and he says, come eat with me. I have everything that you need. I am enough for you. I am sufficient. Come and eat of the fruit of my spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You can, you can feast and dine with me in my presence in the midst of your enemies and in the midst of your troubles because I am with you. I am with you. There are 365 verses in the Bible that say, fear not. And most of those verses, it's every day of the, every day of the year. <laughs> fear not. Fear not today. Fear not tomorrow. Fear not. And then what are those verses? Almost every single one of them ends with, for the Lord is with you. Fear not, because he's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Just like Simeon, when Jesus was present, he could be at peace. Peter, when he told the crowd in the book of Acts to repent, he said, repent, turn to God, so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Where did the times of refreshing come? In the presence of the Lord. In the midst of our enemies, in our troubles. God is present. 
and refreshing can come. Only the presence of God can completely calm the contention and unrest in our hearts and ultimately in our lives. Only the presence of Jesus. Nothing else can do it. Not a vacation trip to Jamaica, not retirement, not anything else. Only the presence of Jesus. Now, it could be temporary. It's like a temporary fix. It's like medicating, right? It's like whether, like our phones can be medication to distract us from the present world, an app or something or social media or whatever. We can medicate, but it doesn't solve the issue. Only Jesus can calm the storms that rage within us, the contention and unrest in our hearts, and it only comes through his presence. So I want to close with this. In Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. He says, let the peace of God, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God. So, John 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let the peace of God rule. And it sounds a lot easier said than done, of course. Oh, uh, sure, okay, I'll just let God rule, and then suddenly I'm at peace. No, of course it's not that easy. It comes through intentionality. It comes through awareness of his presence, acknowledging that he is with us, turning our attention to him in those moments, meditating on his truth. But our hearts are Christ's domain. It's his home. And because Jesus is with us, it doesn't all rest on us. It's not all up to us. We don't have to solve the riddle or the puzzle of unrest or of contention within our hearts. We don't have to figure that out. That's what's so great about Emmanuel. It's his grace. He is with us. And so he's in charge. So we do what Philippians 4 says. We bring our petitions to God and we just say, God, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone, every person, every relationship, everything happening in my life, I give that to you. And I give everything, the job, the, the finances, the, the sickness, whatever it is, I give that to you. God, I give everyone benevolent detachment, just letting go, letting the peace of God rule. Meaning saying, God, you're in charge. I'm just gonna let you rule, God. I'm not gonna try to figure all this out. It's not gonna happen. I can't do it. So everyone and everything to you. You lead and I'll follow. That's great. He, he leads and we just follow him. And then as we meditate on these truths of our hope that is in him, of his sufficiency, of a love, everlasting love of a father and of the presence of Emmanuel with us, our hearts can be guarded, our minds guarded from the trouble that we will experience in this world. And we can have peace in the midst.
Amen? Amen. So I want to leave you with these questions, a couple of questions to just reflect on, just with you and the Lord. First question is, where do you feel unrest within you? Where might you feel right in this moment? Where do you feel maybe contention in your heart? Or or maybe it's a, you're experiencing a troubling circumstance right now. Where is there unrest within you? So asking the Lord, where is that? And you might immediately, you're like, I know exactly where it is, right? And then the second question is this, what would it look like for you to find peace in Christ in the midst of these circumstances should things go unresolved? What would that look like to have peace in the midst of something that may be unresolved and it may not get fixed and you might have to wait even longer? What could that look like? What could peace look like in the midst of your enemy? just ask the Lord, God, what, what could this possibly look like? What could peace, and you might have no idea. You're like, I don't, I don't even know. I can't even comprehend how I could have peace in this. Ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what could peace look like in the midst of this unresolved situation or this trial? And just see what the Lord says. I encourage you, meditate on these truths. Christmas can be crazy. Thank you, Jesus, that his peace is greater than anything this world can throw at us. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close in worship. So I just encourage you, meditate, ask the Lord, um, you know, what he's saying in these moments. What, ask God, God, what are you speaking to me through this? It might be something completely different. That's great. Whatever the Holy Spirit's saying, ask God, what are you saying to me? Would you stand with me? And we're going to sing this song about the presence of God. And let's just let these truths sink in, sink into our hearts.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that everything in your presence has to bow before you. Lord, every fear, every worry, every anxiety, anything that's stressing us out, and it's in your presence, it has to bow to King Jesus. It has to bow to the Prince of Peace. Lord, thank you that you bring with you. When you came, you brought hope, love, joy, and peace. Because of you, we are whole and complete. Lord, we give you the glory, the honor, and praise today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Christmas Eve is coming on Saturday. Super excited to share that time with you. We're going to have a, like a, it's like almost like a worship service, like a, a worship night. So we're going to come, we're going to sing Christmas songs, we're going to sing worship songs together. We're going to do family communion together. It's a special time for the family, a candlelight service. Um, and it's going to be right at like one hour or less than an hour. Um, so that way it's family friendly. So kids can be in the service with us. So love you guys. Appreciate you. Merry Christmas. Have an awesome week. Oh,